Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment. What is happening, y'all? Today we have Christopher Salerno. Correct? Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. I Oof, love it. My man. Well, first of all, happy new year. Uh, happy new Christopher year. and Christopher, if I'm correct, you're in the what? Uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, yes. Charlotte, QC North Carolina. Capital. Shout out to QC Capital. You see, he's Thank repping. You. If you're watching this on on video, all the uh, time. By the way, I gotta I gotta ask you. Do you know who um, Sam Ovens is? I do not. Oh gosh, you remind me of him a lot. He's a uh, he he doing very well. He he's like, like I think he's a uh, from um, is he Australian? Some okay. Australian dude. Very um, nice. Consulting.com basically owns that. Remind me of him. Okay. Uh, obviously, well, well, well spoken, dude. Well put together. So, but today we have Christopher Salerno in the lab, and uh, again, big congrats to you. Um, thank you. Uh, you know, an extension to the family. So we're very happy for that. We're excited. Yes. Uh, thank but you yeah, so I guess I, I wanted to get you in the lab. To we've been going back and forth uh, on Instagram. We were just talking about it offline. How big social media is, which I oh, it's outrageous. Uh, which is why you're here today, which is fantastic. We've been kind of going back and forth, just, just supporting one another in this space because there's just so much for, for everyone to have. And uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do, what you specialize in. And uh, de definitely I'll plug you towards the end because I saw you've been putting some some great content, which I actually consume and follow, read your article. Thank you. I appreciate interview it. Recently. So yeah, yeah tell yeah. me, man, like obviously we all come to real estate from different faces of earth. So who was Chris in the beginning? And um who is Chris now? Ooh, well, I'll give you guys a rundown. Something, you know, because we've connected. So I'll, I've never said this ever before on another podcast. So I'll give your listeners and viewers a little more insight about my personal self. Um, so uh, I came from nothing. Um, I didn't, um, you know, I, my family was lower middle class. Um, I think uh, I've realized very quickly um, how to budget money because they didn't know how to budget money if that makes sense. So um, that has really opened my eyes to how to manage money and to invest it to make more um, carefully, but also, also, also knowing my calculated risks that I need to take. Uh, I started out working um, when I was uh, 12 years old. My parents used to drive me up to a local restaurant and I would wash dishes under the table uh, and I would end, end around one o'clock in the morning and then go to school the next day. So I was always working and I was trying to find a way to make money because I knew money bought everything. Um, money buys everything that we have right now and I knew I needed it. Uh, so from there, I had the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, every time I went to school, I started selling different type of sandwiches because I knew no one, everyone hated cafeteria food. So I would sell sandwiches um, to make extra money. So I would do all those little type of different things. But fast forward, um, I ran Division One track in college as a sprinter. Nice. Very quickly left college um, after a year and a half because I realized that college is the best business there is. And we can do a whole nother podcast on college and why I don't like I would it. Love I would love that actually. I'll take you up on that. <laughs> well, let's do it because I, I, we can do a whole nother one on why I dislike college um, and for a handful of reasons, but it is also good for some individuals. Yeah. Um, but then I started working two jobs. 
once I left college, though, I knew I wanted to get into real estate. Um, and at that time, I was looking at real estate sales, residential, because when it comes to real estate in general, your income will follow your work ethic. So if you have a hard work ethic, if you're holding yourself accountable by waking up early in the morning and by studying the content, by going out there and actually doing it, then your income will follow. I don't worry about income. Um, I worry about how many deals can I get? What can I uh, get on a return? How can I grow the portfolio? And I know the money will follow. Uh, so from there, I was working two jobs um, because I – time is very valuable and that's the one thing that's expiring with all of us. Right. So I'd work a job from uh, around 6, 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then I'd work a job um, from uh, 6 p.m. to around 12 um, a.m. in the morning wow. and then sleep only four or five hours, wake up, do it all over again. Um, but that was able to, I was able to save a, a small nest egg. Well, then I, I put my back against the wall, quit both of those jobs, hopped into residential real estate. Fast forward three years later, um, gained a huge success in that industry and then jumped everything into multifamily. Okay, so you want to talk about, uh, first of all, fascinating, uh, and big kudos to you for having, it sounds like a real, really clear vision early on, uh, yes. which I admire that, and that's another conversation I like having is clarity, I think, which yeah. um, in in at this time in my life, I'm, I'm starting to find it as well, and I think it's important to find it earlier on, but I agree. T t taking a step back, you talked about residential and you hopped into that now. Yeah. You know, did you did you invest in it? Did you sell it? You know, because it, it appeared that you also were you a KW agent as well, my man. I was, I was, yes. All right, cool. So how so how did that come about? Come together full circle. Yeah. So my father was a broker in the state of Florida for over forty years, and I knew brokeraging real estate. You can make it, you know, a, not the money that you know I have my goal set for, but right. it's a stepping stone That's to reach right. that goal. Um, so when it comes to it, I knew that my work ethic. I would outwork anybody. And I knew that um, when you sell residential real estate, it's all about work ethic. You have to show up, you have to work um, and your income will follow. So that's when I hopped straight into it. And I sold residential real estate mm -hmm. uh, within three years, sold around 40 million worth of uh, homes um, here in the Carolinas. And now that's our average price points around 300. Nice. So um, a lot of homes and um, about two and a half years at, uh, midway into it, I merged my company with the number one company in the Carolinas. And then I really fell into their operational role. So I started operating that company, training the sales agents, um, cutting expenses, which I was able to make them 46% profitable in one year compared to their three years of stagnant being stagnant. Wow. Um, and they've, uh, so from there, I, I really felt like I hit my peak. I felt like there was no, I mean, my ceilings right there and I, I can't break through that ceiling because, you know, it, in every job there is a peak. And um, then that's when I started studying multifamily. Um, I knew between 08, 2012, it was the strongest asset class and that's where I wanted to be. Um, a lot of talk about, oh, a recession's coming. Well, a recession is a big word. It's compared right. to a market correction. So I think a market correction will be coming. I don't think a recession is coming. If it is a recession, I think it's going to be based off student loans because student loans, um, a lot of people don't know this, but the government owns student loans, and that's okay. the only loan you cannot file for bankruptcy. 
So um, that's that's why I got into multifamilies because 08, 2012, strongest asset class and it cash flowed. Um, and I uh, jumped into it, started listening to podcasts like yours, um, started uh, reading books, started watching uh, YouTube videos. And from there, I hired a mentor and everything just skyrocketed. Okay, excellent. So as you can see, I got my notepad here and I'm taking notes because you're, you're, you're hitting some key points that I want to make sure that I'm not missing. But yeah. I want to circle back because I heard market correction, uh, the, the biggest, biggest asset class. Uh, yeah. And then I also heard operations, which I want to touch on there as well. But let's take a step back, excuse me, and, and talk about that first deal because then I want to hit all those points and bring that all back together. So your first deal, you sold a lot of residential real estate, which is fascinating. That's actually what I'm still doing uh, too, um, but I'm actually, I have a little bit of a strategic angle as you guys know, because I work with investors to learn from them, just like I'm learning from you right now. Oh, yeah. um, so that was, that was a, uh, that's kind of a niche and a, and a good stepping stone for those who are using their license as a tool and as a learning tool and as a way to make money to then get into investing. Um, so I really like that. But then like, let's take a step back. That first deal, you were selling residential. Did you then buy residential or did you then go straight into multifamily? Take us a step back. Yeah. So um, I was selling residential, sold residential a total of three years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, my second year, I started investing. So first year, um, you know, every the average agent, I think, sells what? Six houses, seven houses. Yep. Um, I sold uh, 38 in my first wow. year. And then um, second year, I sold, I think it was like a around 50. And then third year, I sold over um uh, what I sell? Uh, third year, I sold like over 125 homes. Wow! Um, but during that second year, I realized, okay, brokerage real estate, you get a fee, but the way to build wealth yeah. in real estate is to play the game Monopoly. Yes, and so I started the quickest way to make money. Um, I know a lot of people think wholesaling, um, which it is. It's, that is a, a way. But I started flipping houses because uh, I had the capital. I started leveraging my credit because I have, mm -hmm. I have great credit and you need good credit in real estate. Um, so I started leveraging that to buy houses and to flip houses for um, profits. And then from there, um, I said, okay, I, I've reached my peak in selling residential. Um, I'm not a big fan of flips. I'm not, you know, it is, you know, depending on if the deal's right, it is a decent amount of money, but I'm not a big fan on it. So yep. I said, okay, I wanted to build wealth and I wanted to build wealth on a monthly basis that will keep growing. So then that's when I got into multifamily and I started studying it. I actually, believe it or not, I started studying Grant Cardone's PPMs. Oh, um, no kidding. And anyone can. If you go to the SEC website, mm -hmm. sec.gov, you can go ahead and pull up anyone's PPMs. Um, it, now it has to be like if it's a, a 506C or anything, um, but you can pull anyone's PPMs up. Just go ahead and um, put in, if it's a fund, put in whatever the name of the fund is, the company, and you can start reading them. Now, it will put you to sleep, yeah, but yeah. you're going to gain some knowledge. No, that's, that's uh, I, again, I love that because it's learning through somebody else's experience, which is Correct. what I always talk about too. And, and I think in my recent po post, I put, you know, I'm part of a limited a limited partner on a, on a big syndicator and, and the ideas to learn from someone. Uh, oh, yeah. That's why we step into the lab and learning from you right now. So that's fascinating. Okay. So I want to take a step to, well, I'm not taking a step back, but now I'm, I'm piggybacking what you're saying because you're okay. crushing it in sales clearly. And I want to actually hear a little bit about what you think 
mm-hmm. allowed you to sell 38, sell 50, sell 125 in a span of three years when the typical average agent is selling six. So maybe let's talk about sales for, for just a little bit. And then I want to transition into the operations side. So I think because we're in a people business, I'm curious as to hear what you think allowed you to, uh, really gain clearly a lot of, uh, uh, some momentum into, yeah. into that space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a great question. I, I get asked that, uh, yeah, a handful of times when sure. people say they're not in sales, I mean, you're lying. Everyone's right. in sales. Exactly. Um, how'd you get the job you got? Yeah. You interviewed. Yeah. What'd you do? You sold yourself. Exactly. Um, so everyone is in sales in some sort. Yep. Uh, oh, if you go eat at a restaurant, a waiter's in sales because they're selling you on the menu. Yep. That business is selling you on their food. So you're always in sales. So I knew that and I knew, and I used to train sales uh, agents and I used to train um, other sales individuals um, across the United States giving small seminars. And to really maximize that that leverage on the growth and the success in any type of industry when it comes to sales, it's all about relationships. And it's all about building a connection. Because if you build a strong connection, anyone will trust you. And if the product is good, and you, I will not sell a product or I will not uh, pitch a multifamily deal that mm-hmm. I would not, one, personally live in yeah. to put my mother in or me invest in that it's just uh, that's just how it is um and that's how it should be so when it comes to it you have to have a good product that's actually going to help people um and it's not you know a phony product or anything like that and then you have to make sure it's a necessity in their life and that they can need it but you build that relationship with them um you don't just go out and sell them something i know when i talk to my investors Mm -hmm. and when um we talk to potential investors and when we sit down with them we do not discuss real estate right off the bat and I think I did a, um, I, I can't, it, it was yesterday I did a uh, webinar on it and uh, I said, I said, you, when you sit down with someone, if it's real estate, if it's um, whatever you're doing, build relationships with them first, talk yeah. about their family, find out, you know, care about their family, get yeah. to know them as a person and then slide in to if it's real estate or if it's buying a transaction or buying an investment property or investing alongside you slowly go into it Um, but build relationships with them care about these people um, because this is a long-lasting business I'll be in this business next hundred years I know you will too and relationships are key and you have to build it for long term this is a long-term play Um, so it's really building strong relationships with the individuals I started out with open houses I did 75 open houses is my first year and um, the first thing I did is I figured out how to do a great open house and how that um, how it would maximize the traction in there that would then maximize my sales but it's how I built relationships with it I didn't try to sell the house I built relationships first with the individual and then I knew my market to go ahead and sell them on other neighborhoods that's beautiful and, and I love that and, and the reason I love it is because I can I can relate with it to um, uh, the broker that's actually currently on my team now on the multifamily side is actually uh, one that I did an open house with when I was uh, a beginning agent. 
um, okay. on the single family side. So it all ties together. And, and honestly, it was just adding value to her. Right. And yeah. then she, she really loved it and we built a relationship from there. So it's there a give and take, give and take, but a lot more giving on the front end. That's for sure. But um, and, and the mm-hmm. thing is, is um, I, I, I'll, you'll hear me say this all the time yeah. is when you first meet someone, no matter who it is, what it is, if it's a grocery store restaurant, no matter what, when you first meet someone, if you have the mindset, how can I add value to this individual in their personal life and in their business? then that will change everything. Um, Don't ask for anything in return because laws of attraction will come back and compensate you. Yes, sir. But just have that mindset. It will change everything and it will change your business. Okay. That's, I, I love that. I love that. Um, because I, I think in here, you'll hear the reason why I actually take a lot of pride in, in this podcast is we talk a, a lot about, uh, personal development, um, yep. and, and, and I think your business is a reflection of internally who you are and what you're putting into it. Uh, and it's the same, same way I run my company. Right. And, and that's uh, why I love, that's why I love listening and, you know, watching all your content, uh, because it's, it's out there. It's, it's good. It's great content and it's about pers- being personal and really building a great foundation of a business. Thank you. Thank you. Business. Great segue, my man, Christopher, let's talk about a little bit. Uh, the business side of things. Yeah. So we talked about relationship uh, mm-hmm. and with that, obviously with great relationships, smiles, hugs, care, mm-hmm. obviously we have to look at numbers and be in operations. So what I find very fascinating is a lot of folks that I, that come in the show either come from, there's a lot of different backgrounds, right? But, but one that I hear a lot too is that that's continuously comes up is the operations or engineers. You'd be surprised how a lot of these engineers are like syndicators and, uh, and, and which is, I think is interesting because it's all about how you think and how you're able to put numbers together and doing the math. So, I want to talk about that now. Going to multifamily, you're obviously a very likable dude. I already Thank know you. that I like you. I've liked <laughs> you for a minute now. Thank That's you. why you're here in the lab. But let's talk about how you take that personality, mm-hmm. that connection, and you now bring on, okay, how do I make sure you mentioned earlier that it's important that, you know, you would either, it's a great investment for a person. Do you want to talk about that? We call it the triple, yeah. triple F, the finding, the funding, and the flourishing a deal. Tell me a little bit of how your step uh, through that um, uh, and, and, and the process. Yeah, for sure. So um, if um, finding a deal, if uh, I had a webinar yesterday on it, so um, at the very end, I can give everybody um, some links to go. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Take a we'll look definitely at include everything because, in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, I actually share my screen to show people where I find my deals, the websites I do. So um, nice. I, I was extremely helpful with that. But when it comes to it, um, I'm going back and you'll hear me always say this, build relationships with the brokers. So um, first off, I build strong relationships with brokers and it does help that I used to be a broker because their end all goals to be in my foot, my, my shoes, nice. uh, buying, buying multifamily. So build strong relationships with them. I care about them. Um, I actually, I have a box uh, that I showed everyone yesterday, a broker sent to me with my name engraved on it for Christmas with, uh, with a nice, it's like a rich chocolate in there and then some little koozies um, that I can put on my desk. So that right there, a broker sent to me and I took a picture and sent it back to him uh, yesterday and he says, let's grab lunch next week. And he's a big broker here in the Carolinas. So that right there, building relationships with them, that's how you are able to find deals and even find off-market deals because they know what's going on. 
yeah. uh, when it comes to it. Um, so that's how I find the deals. When it comes to um, the funding side of things, I really like to build strong relationships with um, all investors or potential investors, um, depending on um, what we're going. If we're doing a 506C or 506B, normally we will be doing 506Bs. Um, so there are regulations out there. When mm-hmm. it comes to that, um, be sure to go check them out before you um, try to raise any money or anything like that. For sure, yep. Um, but that process, I just try to help educate um, my network, which um, on my MailChimp, I have pushing 1,200 people, which I know is not a lot, um, but it's growing substantially. Um, but that right there, I just help educate them on, hey, there is another type of investment that you can invest in um, instead of just the stock market. Um, so that right there is that whole process. Um, through the underwriting, we have an underwriter that um, works for us. He underwrites all of our deals. So I initially find the deal. I analyze the deal in my my process. If I like the deal, I send it over to him and have him underwrite it. Once he underwrites it, um, he takes less than like 30 minutes to throw it in our spreadsheet. Uh, we have a Google Drive that we both work on because he's not local to Charlotte. And we then hop on around 30 minute to one hour call together while we both have all the documents in front of us, the Google Drive in front of us, and we can see each other make changes and we talk about all different type of things in regards to the debt, the equity and all that. So so uh, very well said because you put it, I think, in, in a very good order for us to follow and I like having practicality and practical uh, steps because that's why we're in the lab. We call it the yeah. lab so we can all learn from that. So real quick, Chris, you said that you're, you're analyzing the deal and you're gathering all the information at that time. Is that a back and forth with the broker that you built that relationship with to maybe get a little bit more data? Because I mean, I, I go through this all the time. It might be, hey, they might give you a, you know, at that point, maybe you don't have an LOI written, but do you just work with your, 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 your I guess, your, your specific investing criteria at a high level? Yes, uh, you're you're very you're one hundred percent correct in regards to that. Uh, I work um, from our criteria that I've uh, built. I work very closely on it to mm-hmm. analyze these deals, and um, you know I'm not not every property is going to hit the criteria, or or they they can miss one step. I'm fine okay. So let's talk about it. Without obviously, we know that again, the lab is about just implementing implementation, Correct. and it could be in any market, right? So, what are might be some things that you look at? We've heard, we've heard some of the quintessential things, but it, what is the thing that I'd like to hear? Maybe that one thing most investors aren't looking at. So, let's talk about it. Where you look at population growth? Where you looking at the class? You know. Yeah, I want to no, hear it for from sure. You. Yeah. So we look at uh, we look to focus over a hundred units, mm-hmm. primarily B assets. So anything newer um, than 1988, we like okay. to really um, take a look at and focus on. Mm-hmm. When it comes to it, um, with the area wise, I know here in the Carolinas, I live in Charlotte, but we focus very heavily on the major markets: Raleigh, Greenville, South Carolina, Charleston, um, and Charlotte, North Carolina. When yep. it comes to analyzing a city or analyzing that property, uh, I always look at the population growth to see what's going on with population. I look at the job growth, um, see what's going on with jobs, who's coming. Um, excuse me. The taxes, taxes are a big thing, property taxes I look at. I also then um, step outside the box and I will then go to, if, if I'm not like Charlotte, I know very well, like back my hand, 
Raleigh, I know very well, but not like the back of my hand. So I would then go to my connections up there of residential real estate agents. And a lot of people say, well, why residential? And you're, you know, you're looking at multifamily because hmm. I want to know what's going on in the residential market. Are you, is it a buyer's market? Is it a seller's market? Is there a lot of inventory? Do you see a lot of builders building single family homes? Because that will also help me gauge, um, okay, is there going to be a large renting population? And they'll also hmm. know too. Um, is there a large, uh, you know, is there a large population that likes to rent here? Because they'll know that people are not wanting to buy; they want to rent. Um, so it's also good to get that feel and to build relationships with those type of brokers to really find out what's going on in the residential world. Um, because a lot of those residential people, if they're building, you can one here. Here's a little tip too: if you are wanting to build relationships, um, go to these residential brokers yeah. and let those brokers know that you own a property property in the area. So if, if something happens to a build, you know, a build that they have to push back a couple of weeks or something like that, you may have a potential client now uh, that can rent one of your apartment units. Or if you're doing that Airbnb of some of your apartment units, then you can go ahead and um, get them in there and extra revenue for you and your investors. Uh, but that's what I also look at is uh, the residential brokers finding out what's going on um, it's always important to see the taxes um, and the cost of living. If the cost of living is very, I know here in Charlotte, cost of living is very cheap. Here in the Carolinas, it's very cheap, um, and that that's a big thing. Uh, when it comes to a property, I also like to look at the uh, surrounding areas. Are there a lot of mom and pop restaurants or a lot of mom and pop businesses? If there is, I want to go in there and I'm going to talk to them, find out. Hey, how do you like the area? How's your revenue? You know, if you don't mind me asking, how's your sales? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking to buy a property down the street. How's your sales doing? Uh, what do you think about this area? How long have you been in this spot? Um, because that will determine, you know, how strong that market is even during a market correction. So those are just a little tips that I, I look for um, before I send it off to our underwriter. Excellent, Chris. So, Chris, I, I circled down two things while you're talking because uh, uh, I, I like to get tactical. And you yeah. mentioned uh, something that was fascinating that I haven't really heard before because I, I have a lot of multifamily folks that come in here uh, in a lab with me. And you mentioned residential, which I thought was fascinating, which I never even thought of. Uh, so thank you for adding value. You're welcome. But let's talk about that residential buyers versus sellers market. How, how could I put two and two together? Is it that if a lot of homes are being sold right now that what what is going to be the indicator that lets you know that it's a good it's the you know that will impact your rental from a, i guess from a multifamily apartment yeah. investing mindset like can you can you great can you great question yeah i'll can i'll connect yeah. it so when it comes to it, um, from my experience of selling residential and selling a lot of residential homes, when it was a seller's market and we had 16, 20 offers on one property in less than 24 hours, buyers started getting frustrated. They didn't want to pay the prices. They started getting frustrated on the time frame that they couldn't find a house or they were losing out on a house. And they would all tell me, well, I'm going to rent now. Oh. So that right, because the market's so hot, they want to go rent for a year. That's true. And, and that's true. And for folks who are, I've actually, you're bringing light now. You're bringing light. I appreciate that. Yeah. Because for folks that are, as you know, if you've been on the buyer side an agent, I help a lot of investors on the buyer side. If it takes long, let's say you're not an investor and you need to live somewhere, what do you do? You rent it so you can find something to buy. 
Correct. Yes. Yes. So, okay. And, cool. and then you can and then you can also talk to flippers. Flippers know the market because okay. you know they're flipping houses and they know the market for about you know six months ahead of time, eight months ahead of time because they're going to flip houses. It's going to take three months to rehab them. Then uh, you know um, they're going to throw it on the market. And it may if it's sitting on the market for thirty days or you know forty days. That's a key factor. So when you're talking to a residential broker, ask, hey, do you know any flippers in the area? Talk to the flippers. Hey, I'm I'm a multifamily guy. I buy a large multi family properties just want to know how the flipping business is going are you seeing your homes flying off the market um, are you seeing a you know or are, are or is it taking 30 60 days before you sell a flip you know to get an understanding about it but that's going really deep in depth on that area um, I don't you know I don't think some operators really look at it at that perspective um, but I, I think that it's very important to look at it because that tells the market the single family industry too. Love There's it. a lot of factors that tell it. That's great. Great. So thank you for clearing that up. Appreciate the clarity. And then number two, I had job growth on here. Um, and job growth. What can you explain what would be a good job growth? Because let's say I'm looking at my, you know, the numbers and I see it went from a six percent to a seven percent. What does that number really tell me? Is there something that you're comparing it to? Because if I can see that the population growth is increasing, how do I know that it's increasing at a pace that is ideal? What else are you comparing it to? Um, when it comes to the population, um, I'm comparing it to... And I'm sorry, I think I said, I'm sorry, Chris, I think I said I might have mixed the job growth and population. So I think I was talking about job growth and perhaps maybe population, population. growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. great. Um, so the biggest thing is when it comes to job growth, I want to know what jobs are coming into the city um, and are they sustainable? A lot of people don't know Charlotte, North Carolina is the second biggest financial district in the United States. Crazy. Um, I think you guys right got what, Bank of America? America headquarters. Yeah, we're home to the Bank of America, yeah. SunTrust, and um, BB&T merger. They're That's bringing crazy. thirteen thousand jobs here. Um, their headquarters here, Wells Fargo's headquarters here. We're the wow. second biggest, right after Manhattan. That's so when wild. it comes to stuff like that, okay. I know banking. Banking's always going to be around. It's not going away. Uh, those large banks here in the city are not going away, and a lot of the investors in Charlotte are do work for the bank. So when it comes to that, I study that, but I study how strong the jobs are here um, or any city I look to invest in. I study how strong the jobs are. They're not- Defi you know, Define strong, if you will. They're established. Fortune 500 companies. Okay. Fortune 1,000 companies. You know, they're in those rankings. They've been around for quite a while. Mm. Um, they are a necessity. Uh, they're not just a, you know, a one, you, we know those jobs that are like a decade job where, or decade companies that they splurge in the first five years and then the last five years they go downhill and then right at that decade they go out of business. You're not um, taking a shot at WeWork, are you? No, no, I'm taking a big <laughs> shot at WeWork. I don't like WeWork. And the reason why I don't like WeWork also yeah. is how the CEO left with right, a nice right, payday right, and uh -huh. didn't pay their investors and even their employees. So that's a yeah, whole that's, other podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> um, we won't get into that yet. Yeah. Um, so things like that, you know, um, you, the we, we, for example, WeWork did shoot up and now they're down. So right. those type of companies where they're not sustainable um, and we're seeing right now a big shift in the retail market. I was telling my fiance last night um, and my underwriter yesterday, my opinion on the retail market and what's going to happen with retail um, based off of what I've seen and what I'm seeing in other cities too. So it's, it's you know, when you're looking at job growth, you want to make sure it's sustainable. Uh, we're home to US Airways. Yes, 
everyone's going to fly. They need to fly. So I know that that's a sustainable job compared to a, you know, a startup that comes up, hits a huge evaluation, then drops. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And tying it back full circle of how we started, you know, we talk about finding, finding flourishing deals. So I think you tied that well together. Mm-hmm. I want to get a little bit tactical about, we talk about strategic partnerships all the time. We were talking about offline, in the lab, outside the lab, out into the universe, out in the world. It's all about partnerships, right? So what are some ways that because you and I have both been brokers or still, I still am. Um, and we're on the investor side, having the lens and having the ability to add value to, to the community. How are some ways that you can find ways to create a very good relationship with a broker for the long run? Yeah, great question. Well, my biggest thing is um, I, I chat with I chat with billionaires on uh, um, yes, I, they're billionaires. I chat. That's with a B, on, y'all. He said B <laughs> uh, on Instagram um, and yep. LinkedIn. Yep. Um, so I chat with them, and you know, people think with those individuals that are that has everything, how can you add value to them? What is there a way you can add value to? Um, and uh, when it comes to it, you have to dig deep. Everyone eats. So everyone's going to have lunch, ask them out to lunch, you know, tell them you're going to buy them a lunch, um, especially these brokers, these brokers love to eat. So go ahead and buy them to a nice steak dinner or a nice steak lunch and talk to them. When you, when you talk to them, then find a way to add value to them. Um, I met with a developer about a month ago, huge net worth, one of the largest developers in Charlotte or is the largest multifamily developer in Charlotte and sat, sat down. The first thing I, I did how can I add value to him in his personal life and business life? And I found a way to add value. And um, in that right there built us a strong connection. So when you're doing that with brokers, find a way to add value. If, if you're just starting out, let them know who you partner with. Let them know your business partners. If you have a mentor or if you have a coach, let them know that um, so they feel comfortable because at the end of the day, and I did this webinar yesterday, at the end of the day, when it comes to it, a broker gets paid what? Not on salary, they get paid on the commission. So yep. they want to make sure that you can close the deal and it's a smooth transaction because their reputation's on the line with those sellers and that they get paid at the very end once the deal closes. So you build the strong relationships, taking them out to lunch, taking them out to dinner, um, staying involved in their life. You know, if they have a kid, send them a gift, send them a gift card, you know, um, to help their family out. Um, if they have a big family or if they have a family, uh, when a new movie like Frozen 2 comes out, shoot them a movie gift card. Say, hey, take the whole family out. They're going to remember that, yeah. and it's going to go a long way. And when you build relationships like that, they're going to come back to you and give you off-market deals, and they're going to come back to you and award you deals if you're in a best and final situation. I love it. I love it. Well well put together there, um, Chris. So let's let's get into the, the keeping it real segment. I want to hear a little bit about what you think might be a the biggest misconception that that people in life uh that you've seen in business or in life uh, Mm um when approaching um a it could be i guess what i like to call it it's a misconception that is out there a limiting belief what do you think is one that resonates with you more as, as you've been involved in business and with people Great question. Ooh, you got me on that one. That's a good mm-hmm. question. Um, I think when it comes to it, um, a lot of people with social media, they're fascinated with what's going on. And when I mean that with other people's lifestyle, 
Um, so I have good friends. They own McLarens. They own those Lamborghinis. You know, all those high-end supercars they own. And I and I chat with them on a sometimes on a daily basis. Some definitely on a weekly basis. And one thing that they know that I think of is that those car companies have been around for hundreds of years. And what I'm doing, I'm getting to a point here. So those cars companies been around for hundreds of years. They're not going out of business, but with individuals that are in business to a lot of them limit their growth because they see all these fancy things and they want it all. Um, and that's even when it comes to in that growth stage, they want to dip their, sh their toe into every little type of business. Uh, they want real estate. They want to do um, they want to, I mean, they want to open up a um, brokerage company. They want to open up an insurance company. They want to do all these little things, but that limits their growth just because they may see other people investing and diversing their investments. They try to do that and they think, oh, well, I need 10 things at once to grow very quickly. That's not the case. Read the book, The One Thing. You focus on one thing, you grow it up to a certain level, and then from there, what you do is you start to diverse. It's not bad. I, I diverse. Everyone should diverse their portfolio, but you do it when you're at a certain level. And the only way to get to that certain level is to focus all your time, all your energy, um, your whole mindset into one thing. I love that, Chris, and I'm so glad I asked you that question. Um, because I'm in masterminds as well. And that's always a topic of conversation, oh, yeah. especially when you're working with entrepreneurs. It's like the grass is always greener and someone's doing this. You think that. it is. You just and need to look at your grass differently. Exactly. And nurture it, flourish Correct. it, right? That's Water right. it, right? Take that, care that's of what it. it is. Exactly. And then you have the luxury of, um, yeah, it's such a good point because what we see is the end result. One of my biggest, one of my favorite books is uh, the millionaire fast lane and it's MJ DeMarco. And you know, what we're talking about is, you know, people see the event and not the process. Right. Oh, yeah. And in order to really refine a process, you got to focus on that one thing, as you said, and then later on you have the luxury to say you, you have, you know, maybe so much capital that you're able to just take a shot at this, take a shot at that. Right. So, oh, yeah. um, no, that's, that's, that's a really good one. I, I really, really like that one. Um, I, I'd like to hear because you're a very deep guy and obviously uh, I really appreciate you coming in and I'd love to hear a little bit about what, you, you know, the best advice uh, you've ever received is. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so I, I speak to a lot of people on a daily yeah. basis and um, everything, my, the mindset I've, I've um, created and the work ethic, I didn't have anyone guiding me until J uh, January of 2019, um, which uh, my mentors guided me through um, the multifamily space. So I've built everything up and, uh, you know, and he's helped project it. it um, best advice. I mean, my, my biggest thing is, uh, just always keep pushing, um, yeah. never give up, uh, because it's, it is a long journey. And, and I was talking to a, uh, the developer a couple of days ago and I told him, I said, you know, entrepreneurship is, is like a drug. You have a high, 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 and you have a low, low, low. Yep. And when that low, low, low hits, it's like it's no, it's like no other. Like I mean, I I read some statistics of what what it is like compared to national average of all this other different type of stuff, and it's low for an entrepreneur. So the biggest thing is, no matter what you're doing, no matter what stage you're in, just keep pushing. There's going to be people out there that's going to try to stop you when you're number one. 
Everyone else's goal is to knock you off the podium. Um, in, in the multifamily space, the good thing is, is that everyone knows it's a business and that it's a relationship business and we all yeah. have to work together as a team to grow. Yeah. Um, but there will be people there that are going to try to knock you off the podium. They're going to talk bad about you. They're going to talk good about you. You just need to focus on your one thing, put those blinders on, and when you're in the lows, just never give up. So that, that's – that's been my model all the time is just keep pushing, never give up because believe it or not, um, when I was making that change into the multifamily industry, um, I had an employer that was telling me that I would never buy an apartment complex, that I would never reach my goals. I would never get to where I want to be and that I should just, you know, go and serve tables or just be an agent for the rest of my life. Uh, and within, within six months, I proved them all wrong. Yeah. So just keep pushing um, and just never give up. That's the biggest thing that I will always go with. That's, that's beautiful. Um, and I know we talked earlier about, about school and I know you felt some tough way. So I don't know if this is going to be related to that, but no. I think what would, be the worst, worst, what would be the worst advice you've ever received? You think in contrast, <laughs> in contrast yeah. to the good advice. Yeah, I know. I know the worst advice. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so uh, I've had people tell me, um, that I'm thinking too big and, um, that my goals are too big and that's not an advice, but that's more of a less of a, of a individual stating something saying, because their goals and they can't visually see themselves achieving it, yeah. that they don't think I should achieve it. Um, and so the worst advice would be someone telling me that I can't achieve my goal um, and that I can't do something because that just fuels me. That gives me more motivation to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would never, and I've spoken to a ton of people and given some of my, my mentorship to individuals and, you know, and they've came up with some crazy ideas and I've told them, I said, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve, but I think you need to focus on that one thing before you try to hop to multiple things. So, right. um, I would say that would be the, the craziest is someone telling me that, um, you know, I can't achieve what I want to achieve. Mm -hmm. Chris, do you think it's healthy to share with people and, and I'm, where I'm going with this, there might be people, it's, it might be, they're getting this um, feedback from maybe even family members or et cetera. So do you think it's healthy to project these huge goals on people whose minds don't see it? Is it healthy for you to still put it out there? Or would you advise someone to, you know, you know, hit the ground work and then show them because this is an interesting conversation that i have sometimes oh, with yeah. people who are not ready to they just don't see it there what do you do i'm curious vision. i'm curious like if it's a family someone's listening to this and be like i have these huge goals i want to do this but it's in my family my parents think this what would you advise to them i'm, I'm just curious as yeah, to what no, you no. think and, and <laughs> i have i have that family too my um my siblings think i work too much um and they they make fun of me um, when, when I say, oh, I can't do something, they're like, oh, are you in a meeting? Um, and I'm like, yeah, I am. Um, so, yeah. you know, I mean, they, they make fun of me. But, you know, having a strong mindset, first you need to build it in yourself. That's the, that's the number one thing is build yourself. Understand who you are. I meditate. Uh, before I got on here, I meditated. Yes, um, I meditate in the morning and in the evenings. I understand myself. I know myself. Have a strong mindset and have that positivity because if you have a strong mindset, no matter who says anything, 
it will not stop you. Um, I had some individuals uh, with a previous employer um, say some statements to me that were on the on the line of um, suicide statements. And if I did not have a strong mindset, who kn- who knows where I would be right now? So you have to have a strong mindset to overcome those individuals who just don't think like you, who just have that mediocre mindset and you can't speak business to them because they don't understand it. They don't understand how money flows. They don't understand your goals. They don't understand the process to reach those goals. So when it comes to it, you have to have the strong mindset. And I don't talk much to them, um, my family members or um, anyone who doesn't have my type of mindset. I don't speak too much to them. And if they ask, what am I doing? I just say, I, I'm in multifamily real estate. I, I buy large apartment complex uh, with passive investors. Um, but I really don't go too far in depth because, you know, they start to, they can't understand it. Um, and, you know, I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to ma- waste my time. So um, I don't go into depth with it. But I know an individual who can can understand it with a conversation like you and I are having that I know they could understand it. So then that's when I would then reach out to them. But believe it or not, I've had a close, uh, close, I don't know if you, a friend, you can call him a friend. I've had a close friend of mine even doubt my goals. A close friend of mine even come up to me um, out of out of the blue and said, um, "I don't think you should be saying this because you know it's it's kind of far fetched, it's kind of huge, and it just doesn't make you know it makes you look bad." Well, that these are my goals that I'm going to achieve. Yeah. So you know I understand that they may be too far for you, but they're not too far for me to achieve. Yeah. So thank you very much for your opinion. But I'm, if people ask me what my goals are, I'm going to tell them what my goals are because they're my goals. Yeah. Um, and there are goals as a company. Um, so that's how it is. No, I love that. I, I love that. And, and what I want to piggyback on that too is uh, big goals make you stretch. I literally just heard this on, um, I'm a big fan of Tom Bilio impact theory. And he had a gentleman there and he talked about how, um, it's like what is it? Those guys who do the high jumps? Um, oh yeah, the, 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 with the with the, the pole? Is that, or no? That no, that's, um, that's not high jumping. That's no high. I I can't. I don't. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Well, I you guys know, know what I, we're I ran track because, and I don't even know. Yeah, it. <laughs> Jesus, it's um. Anyways, pole it's pole jumping. I think is what yeah, it's pole called. jumping. Um, and he said something fascinating. He said that when they're training, when you look at the warm up, they got the bar low, and you know they're clearing it, and every time they keep raising the bar. They're clearing it. So, if you set that bar low, you're gonna clear it, right? And we all have these, you know, a lot of people have their goals are too small, and they end up doing what they said they would do. But why are they too small? Because they set the bar low. They do set the bar low. Mm -hmm. But another reason why Mm -hmm. they're small is because the fear in them, the Mm. fear of failing. The biggest failure in an individual is not them actually failing. It's them doubting themselves and the fear to Mm, even try it. Correct. That's the biggest failure. And that's why they don't set the bar high. That's also why people don't don't get started in things because they have a fear of – there's a really good question before. It's uh, people don't get started because they're – afraid of what they're going to look like as a beginner or as a starter or as a failure, right? So it's all, again, like you said, it all comes back. Every time we have these conversations a lot, it all comes back to the person, your core. 
Are Correct. You true to so yourself? build yeah. yourself up yeah. with a strong mindset, a positive mindset. So when those negative people come to you, because they do come to you, I get them on a daily yeah. basis. They come to me yeah. and I'm sure like Grant Cardone, he gets thousands of them on a daily basis, but you have to have that strong mindset, that positivity to push mm -hmm. you through and not let them pull you back. Bars. Chris, this was great, man. I look, yeah. I got to give you a uh, core rapid fire questions real quick. I'm going to go. fire these right at you. What is a favorite book of yours? Uh, mistakes millionaires make. Ooh, that's you know what? That's going straight to my cart. I will send you a screenshot because you got yeah. quickly. Okay, you you, you will love that one. It it talks about individuals mm -hmm. that have built huge net worths. I mean, over five hundred million dollars of net worth, um, living the life, and all in sun over a six less than six months. Sometimes overnight, they lose all their money, go into bankruptcy, and then gain it all back. And it really tells in depth mm. on you know the process, what you should have as a business what type of insurance you need to have like all this um okay. and it's yeah it's great oh, man i'm not even gonna get into this rabbit hole because i you and i could talk for hours <laughs> i know that's very exciting <laughs> i love it man uh the best habit that serves you every day Ooh, that's a good one the best habit that serves me every day um i would say uh being positive having a positive mindset and i know um surrounding yourself with positive people um i'm a very serious person um i'm always working and my fiance on the other hand is very serious when she when she wants to be but she's happy she's she's always she always finds the good in a bad situation which i love um and she's always um bubbly she's you know having a good time and that brings out um my good side and that brings out my side that is you know is happy and fun so i would say that that's awesome i love that uh best tool that helps you excel through the day Ooh, could be an tool. application too. We're very tech savvy these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I say. I mean, all, all the best tool that helps me excel through the day is my mindset. Mm. Mm. That I like that. That, 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 was that would very internal. I, I would expect that from you, Chris. Internal, yeah. not external. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I always like to hear the mindset behind this question. Would you rather have one 300-unit apartment or a building of three apartments of 100 units? Building uh, – um, building. Uh, do I have to build – can I just buy no, three apartments? No, 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 units? no. I, maybe you misunderstood me. Would you rather have a 300-unit apartment or – three buildings of a hundred units oh gotcha yeah so i would rather have three building of three buildings of 100 units um and in my opinion um if depending on location and everything um there's a higher chance because if you sell it as a portfolio you have a higher chance in my opinion to base off of you know area and all that and what's going on to get a higher return I love that question because it's literally 50 50 every time I ask it. And I pr I'm probably going to do a compilation because it shows me what, what that investor, how he or she thinks, yeah. which I love. Um, so great. Self you, don't have, you don't have all your eggs in one basket. That's yeah, I've yeah, heard separated. Yeah, I, that's one I've heard too. Diversification. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's cool. It's good to see how you think. Um, Self manage or outsource? Um, right now we are outsourcing um, management, but once we hit a certain level, we will bring that in-house to make sure our returns are higher. Interesting. Uh, if you had one superpower in real estate or in your case, life, uh, what would it be? Ooh. Um, 
one superpower in real estate and life um, to access more of my brain because we only access 10%. Dude, you're you're an awesome dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're so deep. I so, love how so, and it gives you and honestly for those listeners out there, you're thinking, like, oh, I thought he was gonna give me something I could download or something to go to. I That's know. what it's about. Like it's really like it's mindset. clearly Chris is is where he is because he's clearly worked on himself. And I think Correct. that's what we owe ourselves, investing in ourselves, educating ourselves, what we download in our brains and what we how we start today you know you mentioned the job that. you have today is because of yourself so if you're not happy with the job you have today go get a new job yeah look at you know? look at look in the mirror right and, yeah well i mean yeah. fix yeah. yourself first and once you fix yourself then you can help other people but you have to fix yourself first you can't start off helping other people if you if you don't even have yourself fixed mm, so fix yourself yeah. and then you can help other people i think Oh, gosh, these are supposed to be rapid fire question, but I love it <laughs> because I think that's so true. And it's so easy to do these days to like try to, you know, we see it out there. There's a lot of good with social media. There's a lot of bad. There's you know, oh, people. Yeah. Every time I read a book, Chris, I'm looking at what did you do before you wrote the book? Yeah, I agree. Right? I agree right. big time because, you know, a lot of these individuals, you know, I have a couple billionaire books because I study of them, uh, I study uh -huh. them and that's my goal. Um, yep. And some of these individuals, it's like, okay, what did you actually do before you wrote this book? It's called you The know? Paradox of Practice. Correct. You I like be that. very careful um, if you're teaching something that actually helped you get there or what you're using that vehicle to you know you got to be very careful these days there's a lot of marketers out there and oh well everything's marketing you well know. yeah which is good again it's it good is. it's good that we have this platform but again where you get your information from and again again if you're working on yourself and you're doing your due diligence and you're looking to grow i don't think you can make that mistake i think it's usually people are looking for a shortcut who get caught up anyway so. yeah oh yeah um, and especially in this business this business is a marketing business and i'll yeah. be real quick with this you probably never heard this um i don't watch tv but when i do watch TV I watch TV for the commercials learning marketing correct they are always on top with all those companies that market on Colors, with commercials the pitch, everything, everything. Yep. how they how they speak on there how they uh, how the families are on there you know what they're showing I figure out okay this is what everyone is watching this is what everyone is going to market to this way um and they got i mean they have full-time people that watch those to understand it um oh, so yeah. that's what i do to really figure out okay this is what uh is catching the people right now so yeah. that's a i know that's the big hack too with um if you're you can piggyback you know, a great syndicator or a big company like apparently McDonald's is in the real estate business because they're doing crazy amount of market research, whether it's Whole Foods or Panera, whatever oh, yeah. it is, oh, for sure. uh, those guys are doing the research. So if they're going in that direction, you know, you can more or less bet that it's a probably good direction to go in because they have those people on there. And so if you so see if those if those uh, companies are Starbucks, around your apartment complex. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. If I see a Chick-fil-A or Starbucks yeah. right next to an apartment complex, I know the area already. Yeah. You know that they know that, you know, you know that. They oh, know. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've done the research. Yeah, 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 so yeah. that's helped me out with them doing yeah. the research. <laughs> Listen, man, Chris, this was, this was honestly, I have to say one of my favorites. And this is why Thanks. I'm so humbled because I'm, I'm obviously uh, you're at a you're a step ahead. Your 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 mindset is is so um, admirable. Thank and you. And it's humbling to be able to be in the lab with you, man. And that's actually why 
try to do this and hopefully you're gonna add a, not hopefully that's understated you're gonna add tons of value Thank i know you. i did and i'm gonna blast uh, all that you did uh put put everything in the show notes um i always like to ask one final question is yeah. um what question do you wish i had asked you that i didn't ask Mm, that's a good one. I, you are a wonderful host, and I mean, you hit all the key points um, when it comes to it. I, I mean, you hit it all. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there was one. I mean, I know you and I can talk days um, yeah, for on sure. this, um, but yeah, no, I, I, you hit it all. You did phenomenal. Awesome. I appreciate that. And obviously, because it is about value, and yeah. I'm a super connector, that's my gift. I know that. So if I run into someone and I shake their hand and you come up to mine, how can I keep you top of mind? And who would that person be that would be like, oh my gosh, you and Chris should connect. Let me make a quick intro right now because I did all the time. Yeah. Who would, who would that person be or what type of person would that be? Yeah, great question. Um, I think uh, that that individual would be anyone who is um, looking to dive, diverse their portfolio and invest into real estate, yeah. gain the education in real uh, multifamily real estate, um, and who wants to gain that education in multifamily real estate. I think that would be uh, the right person. Awesome. And shout out to obviously QC Capital. You guys are doing your thing. Now, are you guys yes, just in Charlotte you. or are you oh. also in multiple other markets? Yeah. yeah. So we're in, the, uh, we're in the Carolinas, all of the Carolinas, and we're expanding into the Southeast, Dallas, Atlanta, and Orlando. That is beautiful. Those are solid markets. Yes. Very strong markets. That's what we like. Yeah. Listen, man, it is a wrap. Chris came through, dropped some bombs of knowledge. Obviously, Thank we you. connected. It was amazing. Thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. We'll definitely make sure that we um, uh, share with the people the show notes and whatnot. Um, and for now, what we're going to do is uh, any sh uh, basically show, um, where can the people find out about you, man? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Chris underscore Salerno underscore, mm -hmm. and definitely follow us on YouTube because we post a ton of content um, on YouTube, which is this Chris Salerno. And if anyone has any questions or wants to know more about um, QC Capital and what we're doing, just go to our website at qccapitalgroup.com or invest with QC. Com. Just like that, we're out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya, and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, Invested Talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it.
Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.